Hey, welcome to the First Two Entrepreneurs podcast, where we feature first responders that are also entrepreneurs or running business on the side. We are here to showcase these businesses, but also talk about the difficulties running a business while being a first responder. My name is Ryan Ballard, and I'm your host. On today's podcast, I am very excited for our guest today. Uh, he's actually not in the fire service. He's not a police officer. He's not in public safety. Um, but every once in a while, we're going to have special guests on the show that I think provide a lot of value to public safety in whatever fashion that may be. Uh, so today, we have a gentleman by the name of Jose Bolaños. He is our leadership director at Height Digital. Uh, he also has a entrepreneurial um, unbreakable program that uh, you know I'm sure he'll touch about, touch on about, and he's also got his own podcast called the Noble Warriors Podcast. Jose, welcome, yeah. man. Thank you, Ryan. You know, interesting when when you said um, I actually have a bit of background in forest fires. Ah. in fighting forest fires so i went to university in honduras which was uh, like an agricultural school mm -hmm. and we had to do the forestry work around the university and okay. part of that work was fighting forest fires so we got a lot of training on how to approach uh forest fires doing controlled burnings um so yeah did a few uh uh firefighting a few forest fires in, in my university days <laughs> nice very cool yeah yeah it was uh, absolutely so i wanted to bring jose on because i think he provides a a ton of value whether it's whether you're talking about leadership whether you're talking about mindset um, anything in regards to complexity management which i think mm -hmm. that all of that stuff applies to anybody in public safety and one of the things that uh, we have the privilege to do when we become franchise owners with Height is that we get to travel down to Nicaragua and see the team. And, um, you know, and Jose was obviously a big part of that week when we were down there. And I tell you, man, you know, I told you when we were down there, I, after going through Jose's Unbreakable program, I have never felt so clear you know, in my mind, then mm -hmm. that day, it was yeah. you know, th your entire program when it, you know, when we were talking about CO2 tolerance, we were talking about breathing techniques, we were talking about, you know, we were going into the ice bath. And, you know, I, all yeah. of that culminated with the ice bath, right. And, mm -hmm. I, dude, I, I tell you, I felt absolutely incredible after that. And, yeah, you know, I think it, I can take those all of those things and apply that into the the other career that I have as well. Yeah, I think Unbreakable is based on principles. Uh, so when, when we talk about principles, they can be applied anywhere. Um, and it's also a synthesis. So my talent, just as, as a person, is I'm a synthesizer. And there are these certain tests that you can do that can describe your what you're talented at. But I can... Uh, expose myself to multiple methods and just philosophies, whether it's spiritual, uh, breathing techniques, and then synthesize an understanding of all of it for myself. And that's what I offer my clients sometimes. It's a 
simple understanding of very complex um, things that are out there, whether it's in personal development or business development or in life as, as a whole, is synthesize it in a way where it's like, okay, I get it. I, I can see where, where this is going. It, make, it makes sense to me now. Um, and I think that's a lot of value that I bring to to my clients. And Unbreakable, our flagship program, the one that you're mentioning, is just the foundation on top of what everything else that I do with my clients is built on. No, and it, it's it's an awesome program, man. I you know I can't say I can't say enough about it. Um, yeah. You know I you know when I came home, you know, I was telling my wife about it, and I I I was able to explain it. Right. I was like, but the feeling that I felt afterwards, even, yeah. you know, doing the, the breath work on Mubancho and, you know, all of the different things that we, that we did that week were, were incredibly helpful. Yeah. And I want to make sure that we get you out there as well, because especially yeah. in our line of work, if people would listen to your podcast or maybe reach out to you directly for, um, for coaching would be awesome as well. Cause yeah, I think sure. that, you, I think that you provide such a, amazing value to everybody that you come in contact with. I mean, it's just not propping you up. I, that's genuinely how I feel. And, you know, I want to make yeah. sure that we, you know, get you out there as much as we can, because I think you can really change, change some people's lives, man. Yeah. Thanks for that. How about, how about we jump into the, some of the material from that and just see how much value we can live, leave here on your podcast today uh, from that unbreakable program. Absolutely, brother. Yeah. So um, Unbreakable starts, you know, it's a program that trains us for life, makes us life capable, capable of managing what life throws at us. And not only managing what life throws at us, but, and I use this term now a lot, is maximizing the potential of what is possible. So how do I maximize the potential of what's possible with who I am, with where I am, with the resources that I have? in my life, how do I maximize that potential? We all become facilitators of what's possible in our lives. That that's to me is like the key leadership calling is to really maximize what's possible in each one of our lives. And in Unbreakable, the basic premise is that we are facing a VUCA world and that we are dealing VUCA being an acronym that stands for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So VUCA is an acronym coined by the U.S. military. Post-Cold War, the U.S. military college, I believe it was, was saying we are facing a VUCA world, a volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous world. I know the military and a lot of institutions over there are big on acronyms in the U.S., you guys are huge on acronyms. <laughs> yeah, everywhere. Well, that's one thing I learned from going to our bound courses and working with a whole bunch of people. The U.S.'s acronyms are huge. Um, so VUCA is this acronym that basically describes the context, the global context at that time. I adopted it because it really describes entrepreneurship. It describes life. Life is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And so VUCA is just a way to describe whatever life throws at us. Whatever life throws at us is VUCA. And it's practical to have this term because once we can put everything that life throws at us into one concept, 
it becomes a little better to manage. So whether it's an emergency or whether it's a loss in our family or whether it's business or whether it's an existential crisis or I have a 15-year-old daughter. She challenged, man, she brings a lot of VUCA. Um, that's probably my highest level of complexity and ambiguity, that uncertainty that I'm dealing with. It, volatility, she's volatile. I mean, it's so it's it's easier when you have something to describe whatever life throws at you and has a name. By naming it, you can manage it. If we don't have a name for it, it just becomes overwhelming. It's like life is throwing stuff at me here, it's throwing stuff at me over here. And it just becomes overwhelming where you feel like the whole world is falling apart and what else can happen or what else can go wrong. And when you have this name, you're just putting it into this container, like this VUCA, this is my dose of VUCA for today. This is more VUCA. And now that we understand that, we can train for it. So I'll stop there for a moment and, and then keep on going. Yeah, and no. Yeah, um, you got to be VUCA trained or you're going to be VUCA fucked, right? Yeah, that's the key. That's where we go. Okay, so now we know it's VUCA. <laughs> so what does that mean? It means we use different terms of VUCA fit. We got to be VUCA fit. We got to be VUCA capable. Mm-hmm. We got to be VUCA trained. Or we're going to get VUCA fucked. And what does it mean to get VUCA fucked? It just means that we become overwhelmed. We break. So unbreakable is staying in that VUCA capacity. And when we break is when we fall out of that that window of tolerance to what life can throw at us. So there's a concept in psychology called the window of tolerance, which speaks to our, to- our, our window, the amount that we can tolerate of whatever life can throw at us. And we can break on, in two directions. We can break on the side of chaos, or we can break on the side of depression and not taking action. And we constantly break, but the the idea is to stay inside that window of tolerance and stay VUCA capable. And we do that through training. And that's what we start teaching is how do we train to to become more VUCA capable, more VUCA fit. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think that in public safety, we always tend to find ourselves in that chaotic, uh that chaotic period of time, right? You know, that's people are calling us usually in the worst time of their life, right? Whether it's a medical emergency, whether it's a fire or, you know, something else. And we as first responders need to be able to manage that, that chaos in a healthy way. Yeah. Right. And and managing that complexity. Some of you guys thrive in that chaos. Yeah. Like some of you guys are better off in the chaos when there's no chaos life becomes more complex for for so for some people in first responding or in other um like combat veterans and stuff like mm-hmm. that it's like the the chaos and the and the fighting and the, and the being out there is simpler or easier for them than being in in like or being and that that also is very interesting to me that when they're in the chaos, they thrive. They they feel they have a sense of control. So mm-hmm. we got to be careful there that when when it's we we become addicted to that chaos. I don't know if that's something you've experienced um, in in your trajectory in this world. No, I mean you know, I I, I consider myself a pretty uh, calm uh, you know mellow guy um, typically. Now it well doesn't round, mean I well rounded. 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well-rounded. I mean, I mean, I'm not like that all the time, right? I, nobody is. I mean, if you are, I mean, you're doing a hell of a job, you know, keeping yourself together, you know, at all times, but nobody's perfect in this world. Right. So, yeah. you know, I, I do find myself being able to, to control all of that and control emotions, especially in, in those particular scenarios. Mm -hmm. Now there are occasions that, uh, you know, we all slip up and don't necessarily control our emotions, but we can continue to, to perform our jobs because we training is beat into us from day yeah. one. And it's all we do is train when we have free time, when we're not running calls and, um, you know, doing that kind of stuff, but it, 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 you just revert back to almost muscle memory when it comes to performing our job. So it's not that, you know, we can have emotion involved, but as long as we revert back to our training and that we're actually performing at a, at a high level to make sure that whatever situation that we're going into is rectified efficiently and, and safely, then, mm -hmm. you know, it's okay to have a little, a little emotion, but that stuff do needs to remain in check for the most part. And, and that's, to me, it's what I want to invite people to see in real life. Like, I truly believe we need to train for life mm -hmm. like a warrior would train, like an athlete would train, like a fireman would train, like a first responder would train. It's like when you guys aren't in the situation, you guys are training. I believe that an entrepreneur, a leader, a father, when they're not dealing with situations, you should be training. Like that's what you should be doing so that when situations come up, you have muscle memory. You yeah. have the ability to stop and relax your muscles and take breath and center yourself before engaging in whatever situation you can engage with. And that's like the, the true premise of Unbreakable is that, okay, we know life is VUCA. It's going to throw stuff at us. We need to train just like a warrior would train, just like an athlete would train, just like a first responder would train so that we can respond in the most effective way possible. So that's 100%. what we need. Yeah. Um, the other part you, 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 you wrote to me before was a CO2 tolerance part. Mm -hmm. It's like, so how do we train? How do we develop our ability to become more VUCA capable in life? And I've come to understand for myself that there's four key elements that we need to develop in that can help us become more VUCA capable, stay unbreakable, stay inside that window of tolerance. One is psychological. We need to develop psychologically. Um, we need mental health. And this is where I will invite people to work with coaches, therapists, psychiatrists, uh, groups like support groups. If you're dealing with anything, whether it's trauma, post-traumatic stress, um, trauma from your youth, um, fear, anxiety, you, you need that psychological support. So I'm an advocate for mental health and finding ways to work with people. Even as an, as an entrepreneur, I believe working with a therapist is one of the greatest returns on investments because you're getting your mind right. You're, getting, you're, yeah. you're turning your mind into your ally. And that happens in the psychological part. And we'll see why that's truly important because the second part is physiological. Physiological is, okay, learning how to train your attention, how to train your nervous system, how to use uh, CO2 tolerance. I'll explain a little bit about that in just a moment. But how do you adapt your nervous system, your physiology 
to be able to take on what life throws at it. Not just physically being able to lift or being strong, but also at a nervous system level, at a physiological mm-hmm. level. How do you take on the emotions of the stress? I mean, you guys are exposed to crisis. You guys are exposed to, you see things that not everybody sees. How do you, how, how does your nervous system become capable of managing that also? Does that make sense? No, absolutely. A directly, yeah. direct correlation between the two. Yeah. So I'm convinced more today than ever that physiology, physiology, good physiology is good psychology. Mm-hmm. Like good breathing is good mental health. Yeah. I witnessed like, it. It works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like to breathe well is to have your mind well also because our breath is sending messages. Mm-hmm. Like if, Like if I'm breathing fast, slow breathing is always going to send a message to my brain that I'm calm and I'm under control. Fast breathing is always going to send a message that I'm vigilant, that there's something going on, that there's alertness. And if we're fast breathing when nothing's going on, then our system is always going to be hyped up um, and alert and being taxed by, by whatever it is we're producing through our breath. But that said, you can't outbreathe what you don't face. So in other words, you can't outbreathe a trauma. So it doesn't matter how much breath work you do. It doesn't matter how much you sit in a yogic stance, like meditating. And when that, if that trauma hasn't been faced, when it happens, when it triggers you, it's going to break you immediately. Yeah. So, so I might do all the meditation and training and breathing. And then somebody says something to me that touches on a wound that touches on something traumatic in my life and I'm immediately going to break. So that we need to attend both. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Yeah. So we have uh, the physiological, the psychological, and then I talk about the philosophical. Mm-hmm. And the philosophical is having a clear understanding of existence. It's like having a good story for life. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm big on stoic philosophy. You know, the Stoics believe adversity is for your own good. They believe the obstacle is the way. They believe that adversity is almost like a blessing. I've been blessed with an adverse life that will forage my character. Like they, they say um, they feel sorry for the person that's never dealt with adversity because they haven't had the chance to prove themselves or to build themselves. up. So that's more of a philosophical understanding, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just yesterday, I saw this with a client where they just started understanding that we're on a journey, that entrepreneurship isn't really about getting to a goal. It's it's like, this is a journey and we have wins and we have fails and the goal is to grow the wins and the fails. They help you grow. And he started articulating this, but by articulating this, it, it, it really changes how he's navigating these things. It really changes how he's on this journey when it's not about winning or losing. It's about growth. It's about finding meaning. Um, so we need to have a good philosophical understanding of existence. Remember, yeah. I'm going through the four ways that we can build our VUCA capacity. So it's psychological, physiological, philosophical. And the last one is spiritual. So spiritual is just having a connection with, for me, your soul, a higher power. Um, and if you believe in God, it's really bringing that into your life. It's like really having a good intimate relationship with a higher power. Um, and having a good, healthy, spiritual life in whatever it is that you believe in. And, and I think these are the four things that when we develop in them, 
um, it, it expands our capacity to manage life, to manage VUCA, to be more VUCA fit, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So where are you at with all this, my friends? I, I love it, man. I, you know, this is, I mean, this isn't the first time I've, you know, heard this, heard this talk, but, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to a get a refresher on it. Cause I yeah. think that, uh, you know, it needs to be, uh, thought about, you know, more often, um, at least in my life and, you know, trying to remember, um, how to be VUCA capable and, trained to uh to not get vuka fucked and yeah. <laughs> you know um but it's just one of those things that you gotta it's just like training you know in our jobs yeah you know it's it's not something that you're probably going to get the first time you do it um you know it's something that takes practice i think it's something that you know takes consistency uh consistency is huge with you know in, in all of our worlds whether we're first responder whether we're an entrepreneur which a lot of the people that are listening to this to this podcast are both yeah because you know and then you got to try to practice managing that complexity yeah. because now we already have a stressful job and a chaotic job now we're adding entrepreneurship into the mixes too which is can which can be equally chaotic in a different way Ooh, entrepreneurship is built for suffering <laughs> right yeah. So you got to, and how did, you know, and how do we manage that complexity? Yeah. Right, between the two, because now you're adding two huge stressors into into your life. When one was in in a lot of people's minds, it's it's enough as it is. Yeah. Your whole system has to be complexity capable. Mm -hmm. Um, and and to me that looks like, you know, a client might say something was affecting me. Something that, you know, something that would have affected me for a week through the work that we've been doing, now it only affects me for a moment. Like, I'm, I can gain perspective. I can see clearly. Um, I, I don't get caught up in it. Like, they're, they're fully more capable of responding to what's being demanded of them. Um, and, and VUCA capable, I actually didn't mention what the definition is of being VUCA capable because we use a very clear definition. One is to stay in an optimal state. So to stay in a state in which I can perform, in which I can connect with people, to stay in an optimal state. And the other is to not waste unnecessary energy. Like I'm sure in first responding, you don't have time to waste unnecessary energy. Like you're responding and you're acting and you're taking action. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you're seeking blame or, or complaining or no, you're just executing and you know muscle memory, like you said. You're not wasting unnecessary energy. In, in entrepreneurship, it's the other. You know, we tend to waste a lot of unnecessary energy. <laughs> we get stuck. We get paralyzed. We get complaining. We get whiny. We start, you know, we get overwhelmed. It, it's completely different. Um, I, I would think, you know, but. That's the definition of staying VUCA capable. It's how do I stay in an optimal state, not waste unnecessary energy. And I just want to quickly, for time's sake, jump into the CO2 tolerance bit. Yeah, just I was so, going to ask you about we have that. We, we have mentioned it, and it's very fascinating. So CO2 tolerance is how well, it's how tolerant your system, your body, your physiological system is to CO2. Uh, so CO2 is you know the byproduct of breathing of, of breathing we exhale co2 and most people realize that it's a toxin we recognize it as a toxin 
what most people don't understand is that it's actually needed to breathe. Um, if there is no CO2 in the system, we don't get oxygenated well. Oxygen and CO2, they play a very like give and take relationship. And they have to stay in balance. If the CO2 goes down, I don't get oxygenated. That happens through hyperventilation. Yeah. But the messenger, like what gives us the hunger to breathe is CO2. So we have some receptors in our body that when we're holding our breath and the CO2 is going up, it starts sending alert messages like you got to breathe, you got to breathe, and you might go into panic. And then our mind will tell us a story. Again, physiology connected to psychology, your mind might tell you you're going to die. And you might start over panicking because now you think you're going to die. So physiologically, your body sends a message like, oh, discomfort. Your mind is the one that says you're going to die. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So CO2 tolerance has been found to be highly correlated to our window of tolerance. Our psychological window of tolerance is correlated to our physiological CO2 tolerance. In other words, the higher our CO2 tolerance, the wider our window of tolerance. And this is fascinating because this means that if I'm working with somebody that needs to build their ability to manage stress and anxiety, we can focus on building their ability to manage CO2 tolerance as a great way to make a lot of it like, like uh, progress. There's still going to be a psychological aspect, but just working on the physiology is going to make a lot of progress. Um, so how do we build our CO2 tolerances through uh, breath, breath holding? Breath holding would be the most basic. There's different types of exercises that we can mm -hmm. do to provoke higher levels of CO2 tolerance. Yeah. So breath holding would be a, a key exercise to work with. That said, never do that underwater. Never do that near water. Always do that in a controlled environment. But we need to do exercises that will expose us to CO2 so that our system can adapt. And that's one exercise, that's one way that we can build our physiological um, capacity to manage VUCA is by working on our CO2 tolerance. This is something people can Google now. Like, mm -hmm. We might not get into the complete details, but sure. I would Google CO2 tolerance, how to measure it, how to build it, why it's important. And you're gonna find now that there's a uh, material out there to start working with. Um, and that's gonna translate to more stable, more calm, more control in life and in whatever situation you find yourself. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, we did a couple of CO2 tolerance exercises when we were down, you know, by you. And um, like you said, when the when the body tells you that, hey, man, you got to breathe, you got to breathe, you got to breathe, you're going to die. And then you push the envelope when we were doing our our walk around, mm -hmm. uh, you know, around the area there that we were in and while holding our breaths and you get to that point and you realize that you can push forward yeah and you can keep going you know because that was one of the things that my body was telling me hey man breathe what are you doing dummy you know why why aren't you breathing and you i put that aside and continued to walk yeah and I lasted a, a hell of a lot longer than I would have ever expected yeah. going through it. And I then realized that direct correlation with CO2 tolerance and 
you know, being VUCA capable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost the same instruments that we're regulating mm-hmm. while we're doing that walk. So basically just for the audience where we take an inhale, we exhale and we hold our breath and we walk and we count our steps. Mm-hmm. A very simple exercise that that exercise works to measure mm-hmm. and to build like, so you go outside, flat surface. You don't want to go uphill because I just build CO2. You want a flat surface. You take an inhale. You exhale. You hold your breath on the exhale, a natural exhale, not a forced exhale. And then you walk at a normal pace and you count your steps. Let's see how far you can take it. And ideally for unbreakable, like I'm setting standards now, Ryan. Like if you want to be certified unbreakable, yeah. you got to get beyond 80 steps. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Like you got to make it beyond 80 steps. So if you're not there yet, you got to train. You got to train yourself up to 80 steps. Yeah, I definitely uh, wasn't at 80 when I was down there. <laughs> yeah. So you could check again and see am I at, eight, at 80. So I will now set that standard for myself. And I'm walking and I'm like, I got to get to 80. I don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. I'm the unbreakable coach. I got to get to 80. My body's telling me, but my body, my system's going to hell wanting to breathe. Yeah. That I can put my mind aside and say, no, like sometimes I'll even say, no, you're still underwater. You can't breathe until 80 steps. You're out of the, you know, you've broken the surface out of after 80 steps. So if you do before you're, you're going to die. And then you start really playing with this psychological and physiological elements in your life, which is to me is just extremely fascinating and it's become a big part of my work. So it's not just mental and cognitive. We do ice baths. You cannot beat it. You cannot beat an ice bath with a mental, positive mental attitude. No, you, you need to be able to control your breath. Oh, yeah. I you was actually going to have you. Yeah, go ahead. I was, I was actually going to have you touch on that because there's a yeah. few people that asked me after some of those pictures came out of us in the ice baths. They're like, what the hell are you doing? What's the purpose of that? You know, and um, I would I would explain it to them and they'd be like, oh, OK, now I get it. But yeah. I think that's a huge part of uh, your program. And, you know, yeah. that's something that even after that, that, that entire, that entire morning and culminating with the ice bath, I felt absolutely incredible after that. So if you can touch on the purpose of the ice bath and why it's so important. Yeah. So I'll jump into this phenomenon, hormetic triggers. Remember hormetic triggers? Yeah, I believe so. Hormesis. Hormesis is a phenomenon that when you expose yourself to a stressor in a minimal effective dose, it provokes a positive adaptation. You expose yourself to a stressor in a certain dose, it'll provoke a positive adaptation. So we get these, what we call hormetic triggers or hormetic vehicles that we're going to expose ourselves to, to provoke positive adaptations. CO2 Mm -hmm. tolerance is one of them. Holding our breaths is a hormetic trigger. You hold your breath for a certain dose, your body will start to become more tolerant to CO2. And it just becomes the standard. Um, So we have seven that we talk about. Um, the ice bath being one of them. I'll just talk um, a bit about that after I mention all seven. So mm-hmm. the the ice bath, saunas, heat is also a hermetic trigger. Completely opposite than the ice bath. Like your body responds to heat different than the ice. Like you felt incredible after the ice because it produces dopamine, because it produces adrenaline, it produces a shock, and it makes you feel alive because it pumps you up to like. Like you, you need to break free from this situation. Mm-hmm. So your body just releases everything that you need to actually get into a survival capacity when you're in ice. 
So afterwards, you feel like, oh, like you could run through a wall, like you could just conquer the world, <laughs> like you're unstoppable because of everything the body did to confront that situation. Yeah. So saunas, they have a different impact. The heat will impact you in a different way. Fasting is another one. So going into zero calorie fasting, always do your due diligence, but you have 18-hour fast, 24-hour fast, 72-hour fasts. And, you know, some people might get into that. You're provoking stress, but it's going to have a positive adaptation. Then you have endurance training or strength training. So it's running miles or lifting weights. That's going to provoke a positive adaptation. Uh, Hypocapnia, which is uh, lowering CO2 levels. This comes from like Wim Hof breathing and doing superventilation breathing. Um, Wim Hof, holotropic breath, rebirthing. There's a whole bunch of types of breathing that produce lower levels of CO2. And then you have hypercapnia, which is building the CO2. It's breath holding. So when you use these seven hormetic triggers as a way to train for life, when there is no stress, you provoke the stress, which is kind of what you guys do in first responding when you're not in a real life situation. Yeah. You're simulating the situations. Mm-hmm. So we're basically simulating stressful situations through heat, cold, fasting, endurance, uh, strength, hypercapnia, hypocapnia um, situations. And we do this with the, with the right intention. Intention is what gives everything its power. So I'm doing it like people ask you, why did you do that? You didn't do it because you just wanted to see how long you could. No, you did it because you have an intention of training for life, of exposing yourself to situations so that you can better respond. So we use these hormetic triggers. And the ice bath is one that we can, you know, we do CO2 tolerance, but the ice bath is one that's really like, it's there, like it's easy to do. I can't make you fast. Maybe I can do a a retreat where I'll make you fast for 48 hours in the future. But it's a great vehicle to, you know, to experiment with all this, to, to understand. So like, putting all this into conclusion is we got to be ready for whatever life throws at us whether mm-hmm. it's as entrepreneurs first responders family you know parents whatever life throws at us is VUCA volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous we need to be capable of that we need to be VUCA fit we need to be VUCA trained we don't want to get VUCA fucked so how are we going to do this we're going to do this by training like a warrior or an athlete to train and we're going to have the right psychology, the right physiology, the right philosophy, and the right spirituality to face everything. Um, and then we use these hormetic triggers in our life on a daily basis. Like if you're not doing hormetic triggers, my friend, you're not doing the unbreakable work. You're becoming fragile, you're becoming <laughs> soft. You're not training. You're forgetting. So if you're not doing these things in real life, like in your everyday life, you're not committed to the unbreakable way of life, whatever, warrioring up, like I like to say. And, and that's what I, that's, that's unbreakable in a, in a nutshell. And then we, you know, we go, we take it to the ice. No, I, uh, I, I love the program. I think it's something that all first responders should be, um, you know, taken or taken bits and pieces from, um, you know, I think that uh, it it would help a lot of people, man. It, it's yeah. undoubtedly helped me. Uh, there's yeah. no no question there. Um, well, I am working on trying to get the the book out and mm-hmm. trying to like really be able to scale the program, and whether it's um, in a book 
uh, probably that would be the first step. There's a podcast, Noble Warriors Path podcast. Um, Noble Warrior is just somebody committed to something greater than themselves and willing to do the work and the training to fulfill on that commitment. Um, so they can find that on Spotify. I think it's also on Apple. And they can join the Facebook group, Noble Warriors Path Facebook group. Um, if they're on Instagram, they can follow me on Instagram. It's very Latin name that people got to, I mean, Nicaragua, we didn't mention that at the beginning, but I'm in, I'm in Central America, mm -hmm. um, which is a great VUCA training ground for sure. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Um, and so, um, Jose Eduardo Polanos, I'm probably going to change that handle to like Noble Warriors Path um, okay. on Instagram uh, pretty soon so that it'll be easier to find for everybody. But they can find me there or they can, you know, reach out to you and they can ask you, hey, how do I contact Jose and talk to him? Because the best way to see if you can work with me is through a conversation. I'm not yeah. into scaling and automation and funnels and all the technology. I'm more about, you heard me talk to Ryan, you know, to ask him, you'll put it, connect us and we'll talk and we'll see if, it, if there's a fit to work together. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. I challenge right. yeah, I challenge everyone to uh to check out his podcast, to you know, look him up if you found any value in this. Uh, you know, please let me know, shoot me a message if you want to get in contact with Jose and you can't, you know, find any of his uh any of his handles, please let me know. Um but yeah. at the very least, please listen to his podcast. He it, all the things that we just that we just went over he touches on all these in the podcast he expands upon them he goes over you know different you know different things in regards to leadership and um and being yeah. a noble warrior and being committed something to committed to something that's greater than yourself and yeah. you know i i challenge everyone to please please at least listen to his podcast and um yeah other than that man i i appreciate you coming on um you Thank know you, you you know, you're a busy man. So taking the time out of your day to, to come hop, hop on with us is greatly appreciated. And, uh, I, again, man, you've, you've done wonders for me. Um, you know, I've told you before, and, you know, I hope that this, uh, helps at least one person listening. Cause I well, consider awesome. that a success. So thank you, Ryan. Thank you so thank much, you, brother. Appreciate it. All, man. Right. All right, man. Be well, much love. Same to you. Thank you for listening to the first do entrepreneurs podcast if you like our show please hit that subscribe button below and leave a five-star review if you're a first responder that also runs a business or maybe you're looking to start a business check out our facebook group for tips thank you again for listening and we'll see you on the next episode